Hey everybody, legendary Randy Erickson here. You may know adventure enablers from such races as Cowboy Tough, the AR World Championships, and the Shenandoah Epic. Well now check out their latest event in the AR World Series Circus, the Shenandoah Tough. It'll be a 3.5 day race across the beautiful Shenandoah Valley of Virginia, just outside Washington, D.C., in a hub of outdoor adventures, including some of the best mountain biking on the East Coast. Sign up for some grit with a side of grits. That'd be my uh, southern accent. Uh, learn more at ShenandoahTough.com and AdventureEnablers.com. Those links will be in the show notes. And, uh, hey, let's listen to a podcast. TA1, everything you wanted to know about adventure racing and then some. I'm your host, legendary, hasn't started packing yet, Randy Erickson. So I leave tomorrow for NARS Championships in Iowa City. I think it's going to be a pretty cool race, even though all the crap I've given about racing in Iowa, I'm looking forward to it. Um, but I leave, well, Leaving from work around noonish means I got to leave here at six thirty, so basically twelve hours, and I feel like I'm becoming a real adventure racer because I haven't packed yet. That being said, like all the gear is in the bins, in um, in the garage, it just has to be thrown into my truck. Throw bag clothes together, which shouldn't be too bad. It looks like it's going to be hot and probably rainy. And uh, then I'm good to go. I'm set up. Like, so charging all the batteries, I can do that while I drive. Um, go part way, stop someplace, maybe even get a little run, hike, something like that. And get there um, Thursday and to get ready for the excitement. So anyway, quick intro. Don't have much else to say here. Um, hopefully I'll get a couple of episodes out of the race. Maybe a live thing or two. Um, the uh, uh, Hall of Fame inductions are Thursday night. I think it's just uh, Mike Closure. You may have heard of him. And I will be there for it. But um, also, I think, going to show the uh, Maya Mountain film from two years ago. So that should be fun to see. So. Anyway, and I imagine that will be out. I know Doug's working on some TV stuff for it, but uh, whenever it is out, and um, we'll get some links out for it. So that's it. Um, go fast, take chances, and thanks for listening. Hello, Brian. Hey, Brian. This is legendary Randy Erickson. I, sh I always forget to say that. <laughs> there's, there's Randy. How you doing? Good. As soon as I do this. Yeah, that's better. My my typical thing that... Okay. Yeah. My typical thing, I forget to um, click the right button, and then I hear myself in my headphones listening to you. So it's an echo okay. and a delay, and it sucks. And it makes me sound really stupider than I... And also, it's probably... <laughs> 
probably yelling at everybody, right? Real loud. Um, yeah, a little bit. So, but <laughs> you know, well, how are you? I'm not bad. Uh, Pennsylvania is beautiful right now. Nice fall colors. I am. Uh, it's about sixty. 65 degrees and it's uh, nice and breezy at my place and um yeah the leaves are changing yeah not totally changed but um a lot of them are on the ground yeah. but uh yeah it's just great great time yeah, cool pa was hot last couple days but it's sweet yeah um do you like winter <laughs> well is that for a question i do oh. pa is pa is bright with winter these days i when i was little i remember it was a lot more snow. I don't know if it's because I was smaller, smaller person or not, but it seemed like it was a lot more snow. But no, I typically will have to leave live, leave PA and go up to Vermont or New York or New Hampshire to go find real winter. But I do burn. I consider um, one of my cross training sports uh, being splitting wood and preparing for the winter. So I. I have a wood stove that I do enjoy, yeah. making sure I have enough wood for uh, this year and the next couple couple years. I also do it with my father-in-law, so it's kind of keep uh, keep friends with him, keep him on, keep him on my good yeah. side. You, you you might want to make sure you're on his good side when he's swinging the axe, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. Well, it, good point. Yeah. Good point. Anytime you want, come out to our place. I got more firewood than you could you'll ever burn because. Because we don't. Oh. So, you know, when we built the house, we thought, should we put a fireplace in? But, you know, we've got the birds. And that was kind of a concern mm-hmm. about uh, not wanting a bird to fly into a fireplace. So we said, no. We'll yeah, I can see yeah. that. So, but, uh, and then there's. Now, do you guys have, um, where, you, where you're at, are your winters pretty cold? No. Or are they mild? mild. It's, they actually call it the banana okay. belt. Um, and we can get cold weather, but. You know, it might get to zero for a day, and two days later, it might be sixty degrees. So, I, oh, okay, right. I can live with the sixty degree days. I don't like the cold. I spent too many years working outside all winter, so mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not really into winter that much. But so uh, enough weather talk. Who are you? <laughs> <laughs> I I am Brian Rice. And I live in um, Pennsylvania, about an hour north of Philadelphia. And I am married to uh, Kelly. Kelly Rice, and she is actually my number one fan. She um, she was been part of the support crews on all uh, on any of my big expedition races, and she's always there yelling and screaming, whatever team I'm running with, and giving hugs and kisses and giving us support that we need when we're out there. And I have a uh, one daughter, Madison, and she's a senior, ready to graduate and be a nurse. Cool. And uh, she plays, uh, yeah, she plays field hockey um, for her college. And uh, that's what I've been doing a lot. I got in trouble um, during the national race because that was the first game of the year that I, I missed. And I, I had to justify it when I was planning that race. I was like, I'm going to miss the nice field hockey game, but I think it's worth it. It's so close to home. That was the, the benefit of this nationals yeah. that was in my backyard it was um it's only an hour north hour north of me so uh i couldn't miss that yeah. one well I, and yeah. um i was gonna say you know you forgot something about your introduction what did i uh what did you forget the, the race team well you're a national champion 
Oh, I am. <laughs> I am. It took me. It took me eight tries, Randy. <laughs> um, I, w- I was. I was third. I was third a couple years back. I was fourth last year, and then I had a whole bunch of um, you know, long, you know, ninth and tenth and thirteenth and stuff. But oh man, it was uh, it was awesome. Yeah. It was awesome. Now I can retire. Yeah. Now, if I don't do Thanks. another race, Randy, I'm really, good. I'm fine. I, I mean, do you, do you, but I think, do you really feel that way, or did not that you're going to retire? But if if you couldn't race again, would you be happy? I think I would be content, okay. but no, I'm not yeah. done. No, so. <laughs> it did feel good. I mean, I am getting up. I'm I'm 43 now, oh. so I'm getting up in the uh, yeah. upper echelon of being able to sprint with um with the young punks like. Jim Driscoll, who's 26, yeah. I think, maybe 27, yeah. and Abby's 33. Another got Joel Ford on the team. He's low 30s, and Brent. And yeah, it hurts more. Yeah. I have to train more if I want to if I want to compete at their uh, at their level. But I'm gonna next year. I have a whole bunch. Of course, I got a whole bunch planned next yeah. year. We got uh we got a bunch of races to attend. Yeah. Well, you just gotta start doing longer races. Then you don't have to go so fast. <laughs> You get to suffer more, but not go as fast. Interesting you say that because I haven't done an expedition race since 2007. Hmm. For whatever reason, it's not like I finished it and said that's my last one. For whatever reason, but next year, um, Abby and I and and Brent, Team Rootstock, and Joel Ford, we're going to do Untamed. They're getting me out of retirement for the the long boys to go up to Maine or wherever it might be and do... uh, Hmm. On Tame New England, so I'm excited for yeah. that one. Well, I could tell you where it's going to be, but then I'd have to kill you and everybody that listens to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, so. Everybody who listens has to get some sort of a benefit, well, right? That's true. What are we going to do, go up there? and? Uh, yeah, I mean, you, you know the race could be from this point and uh, 200 miles in this circle. Yep, so, that's yeah. pretty much. Whatever info you have isn't going to help yeah. too much. When uh, talking with Grant and he kind of, there's something he put out about, you know, guess where it is. And my guess wasn't anywhere near where it was. <laughs> so Yeah. That's why you got to tell us, you know, where it's at and give us some uh, BS location and then yeah. see if anybody actually goes there and tries yeah. to. Um, um, parlez-vous français? <laughs> so, <laughs> no, I don't think we're going to Quebec. But, um, so what, what was the last expedition race you did? I did was I think oh seven. It was out in Scotland. Okay, it was with um, Team ATP, I believe. Scott Pleven and uh, Pete Spagnoli and Avril Avril Copeland. Okay, and um, we did well. I forget. Uh, it was maybe twentieth or something like that. You know, we weren't. Um, we just survived it. We did full course, survived it, and uh, it was a year before that left me a bad taste out in uh, New Zealand. That um, us and pretty much eighty percent of everybody else DNF because of a uh, yeah you know the race director kind of yeah I heard Grant um, mention something about that the other month uh, and yeah. on his podcast I was like oh yeah that's right yeah forgot about that <laughs> but um, yeah. yeah yeah but that's not why I I got out of it the one thing in between that I did do was um I climbed uh, Mount McKinley that's... Denali with um. Scott Cleveland and and, um, and Pete Spagnoli as well, okay. and that was 
that was kind of bittersweet because unfortunately, man, Pete, um, Scott was, you know, my hero. He was, uh, he was tough as nails. And unfortunately you, um, did you have the pleasure of, uh, knowing? Scott? No, never did. Kind of a, okay. Yeah. Unfortunately, um, a couple of years back, yeah. he got hit by a car while he was commuting to work yeah. and, um, he ended up passing like a year later. He was in a, in, in a coma for a while. Oh. And, um, yeah. But he was um, he was quite the stud, so he was um, contemplating doing doing it. And then at Hidden Valley, the Nationals in 2010, Hidden Valley, my wife was talking to him, and he's like, "I don't know if I'm going to do it. Money, money, this and that." She's like, "You got to just do it, Scott." She talked him into it, so uh, that was kind of cool that um, he was able. I was able to spend 17 days. It took us 14 days to get up. To the twenty thousand, I think three hundred some odd feet, and um, three days to get down. So uh, yeah. that was um, that was pretty cool. That was pretty cool. Yeah, that's a, that's, you know, that's a hell of a mountain. It is. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was. Yeah. Um, why? <laughs> I mean, I I, just, I understand. <laughs> That's just the kind of a person you are, it seems to me, in in our ten minute conversation we've had. But, 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 but why? And and if you say because it's there, I'm going to hang up. Yeah, yeah I figured that. <laughs> um, that's a good question. Uh, now I did get a call from from Pete, and and he tried it the year before, maybe the year, be, you know, two years yeah. before, and he got up there and was stranded at like 17,000 feet. And then he had to come home because I think, I think his daughter had a, had graduation or maybe she was getting married. He stayed <laughs> up there to the point where he pretty much ran down the mountain, got on a, got on a plane and, and barely made the graduation <laughs> or something. But yeah, he called me, you know, why? I mean, that's a good question. You know, the opportunity was there. Yeah. I do like hiking. I do like getting high. I like to, to see a whole bunch um, of openness um the, and believe it or not the summit day was actually up there was was perfect it was like negative 25 <laughs> and i think maybe negative 15 and there was 25 mile an hour winds or something and uh, we were just above the clouds and it was um it was pretty it was yeah. awesome and um why the question was why did i yeah, do it yeah I, I think i'm still paying for it. i think i'm still paying for it by the way <laughs> so i asked myself that same question uh no the other um I'm trying to get all the 50 state high points. Okay. That was a, that was part of it. Yeah. Um, that now I got the biggest one done. But nah, man, I just like being out remoteness and just that's the only thing you can really think of is just doing your what you have to do that day and and clipping in with your friends and um it's just you and them and and that's it. You're not thinking about anything else. You're not thinking about work or mind's not wandering. You're just out there enjoying enjoying the wilderness. Yeah. So. I mean, I, I mean, I I understand it. It's like I had a few years ago an opportunity to to maybe go to um, Antarctica to do the the summit, mm-hmm. and, the, and I would have never, you know, even thought about it. It had never even crossed my mind, and and actually, somebody that knew somebody that knew somebody in New Zealand was going, and they need they wanted a media person, and and. I didn't even hesitate. I said yes. You know, it's just like yeah. Well, I've never thought about it, and it probably would really, really gonna suck. But you know, you just 
You just say yes, don't you? Yeah, you know, um, when opportunities present themselves, um, you kind of just kind of go with the flow. Yeah. You know, if somebody's somebody's preparing the trip, and uh, you know, I oh, I can just go along and kind of tag along, and how much is it? And it's going to be oh, it's going to be that much. Well, <laughs> I can always make money. Yeah. Or, so yeah, yeah. Most of the time, it's opportunity on my side as well. Yeah. So. Yeah. Have you always been the person that said, "Oh, that sounds really hard"? Yes. <laughs> or did you learn that as you got older? Um, I'm gonna have to say I learned that as I got older. You know, in in high school and middle school, I was always into skiing and snowboarding and some some group events, soccer, yeah. stuff like that. And then when uh. When I graduated high school, I was still mountain biking and stuff. And then I kind of started doing some single events and mountain biking and mountain bike racing and running races and paddling races. And then, and then it kind of, yeah, yeah, you're right. The uh, more uncomfortable I was, uh, the more comfortable I felt. And so then I kind of just got longer and longer. And uh, then my stepbrother, so then one day my stepbrother called and he's like, hey, we, we mountain bike. I was like, yeah. He's like, we paddle and we run. He's like, yep. He's like, there's this, uh, they're having this race. It's, um, it's a, a two day race down in West Virginia and it's called adventure racing. And I was like, oh yeah, kind of like uh, the eco challenge, right? He's like, yeah. And then I was like, how long? He's like, two days. And I was like, yeah. Okay. He's like, no, you want to do it? And I was like, I don't know. You, he's like, yeah, we have to get two, two more of our friends. So, uh, next thing you know, I'm on board. We get two two of our other male friends we go down there it was the it was the endorphin fix in 2000 mm. that was my first race i was like like 26 maybe my daughter was three or four so she's a couple years and then we ended up um coming into we were like in first place and they're like who are you guys we're like adventure pokemon next next ta they're like who the hell is this coming in we're like oh adventure pokemon we didn't know we didn't kind of know that we were doing, you know, we didn't know what it was. And we ended up, I think, getting second place overall. And from that point, mm -hmm. we just kept racing and changing some personnel here and there. And then uh, we kind of had the same team. It was Derek, Derek Lawrence and I, and um, Walt Bevelock or Jeff Watt. And then we had uh, Daphne Hoyt, who she was um, a real stud. But we kind of had like a, a solid team. And we just, for about four or five years, we just ran around and, um, Maybe it was even six or seven years. I'm not sure. We were adventure Pocono. When uh, we won like two two beasts of the East along the run, and then the beasts of the East used to get us into free entries um to the World Championships. So we got free rides to uh, New Zealand when it was up there. It was like maybe that was oh four or five or something. And then we went out to New New Zealand. Mm -hmm. That was on the yeah. That was a free entry. And then um yeah. So that's kind of. Yeah, and I kind of yeah, I like I kind of like beating myself up. I do, <laughs> yeah. I do. Yeah. Randy. <laughs> so, the nothing worse than having real success in your first race, is there? Oh, I know, I know, I know. It is awful. <laughs> it, <laughs> but we didn't know it at the yeah. time. I was like, and then Derek, he ended up to, he ended up being like an awesome, awesome navigator. Like he he'd look at the map, he would download it, and he wouldn't even. He wouldn't even pull it out for like an hour. He would, and then um, since then he he just kept winning. And we we weren't the fastest team by any means. Yeah. We would just be 
putzing along on our bikes. We get to an intersection. There'd be like three or four teams there. We would just make that right. Keep rocking and rolling. And then like five or ten minutes later, these teams would come flying past us, burning up. And then on the next intersection, we'd come up there and make our left that he already had downloaded in his head with the distance that we had. And then next thing you know, a couple minutes later, boom, they came flying <laughs> past us. So we weren't the fastest team. He was just, you yeah. know, it's all about navigation with adventure racing. Well, yeah, I mean, that's... If you can if you can dial that in, that uh, covers a multitude of sins. Otherwise, I think. Yep, you can, you can be going a mi- you can be going twenty miles an hour in the wrong direction and just hurting yourself yeah. way worse than sitting there and making sure you're you're not going the, yeah. the wrong direction. But so in the early days, how did you how did you learn to deal when the you know shit goes sideways? Because because it had to, right? I mean, when you're new, it just does. Oh yeah, and you have to learn how to recover oh, yeah. and all that. How do you how did you how do you learn to do that? Man, I think uh, first of all, we we were when you're that green, you know, you don't really know this. It's all that bad. <laughs> yeah. It's like oh, probably probably every other team out there is going through that we're lost and not knowing you know where we're at. So. The first couple of races, you're right. You don't really, I think you don't know how bad you really are, how lost you really are, what kind of shape you're, you're in. But, um, yeah, you're right. There's times where I remember I was power puking, ate too much. And um, there were other times where I didn't eat enough. Or I remember Daphne, she was, she was really sick one race. And we would give her one cheese nip an hour. <laughs> and it took like five or ten hours to get her out of it. But um, she finally eat. You know, you kind of, you just, whoever's down and out, you tell them, hey, you're going to be down and out for a little bit, but you're coming back. You take the pack, you do whatever, you you know, that's what's so cool with teamwork. You take their pack, yeah, you lighten their load, you maybe pull them on the bike or push them up a hill or take their bike if it's a bushwhack. And, you know, before you know it, they're feeling good, and then the next person's feeling like John. Yeah. Um, so you, so... In a 17-year career, sounds like a long time, doesn't it, when I say it like that? What? Yeah, yeah, you're right. And this this, this is a weird question. So in 17 years of racing, however many thousands of hours of that is, how, what percentage of that time has all four of your team felt good? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I do think um, the shorter races, so I have the last couple of years, I'm thinking shorter yeah. races because that's just kind of where I, and when I say shorter, 12 to 24 hour races mm-hmm. is what I really, yeah. really, um, really enjoy. Yeah. Um, I don't put myself out of work. I'm kind of leave for the weekend or at least if it's a 12 hour, I can almost leave for a day or two. But um how many? Yeah, that all four feel yeah. good. <laughs> yeah, the first four hours of every yeah. race, for the most part, unless that navigator comes there all sick, which Derek Lawrence pretty much used to come to every race sick, <laughs> stressing himself out. So yeah, I take back that first four hours. Two hours into the race, he started feeling better. So now we're looking at two hours of the four of us feeling good. Um, but no, the last race um, up at Jim Thorpe, uh, we were all feeling good till it got dark. So twelve hours there, but yeah. Pretty much most expedition race, 
all four of you feeling good at the same time. Yeah, it doesn't no, happen. So no, it's teamwork with all that. Yeah, I'm going to say, well, let's just say 10 percent of the time, you all feel good. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'd agree with you. 10 percent. That's a good, a good number. So, um, when you started racing and didn't, well, now let's say, when did you know how to deal with teammates? How to how to motivate, you know, when when do you cheerlead, when do you yell, you know, when do you notice? How long did that take you to learn to do with your teams? Probably there in the beginning it was the four guys. So that's where it's so important to have that female because it, for some reason it, it changes the dynamics of everything. So the four guys we would kind of just let each other, you know, deal with whatever problem, you know, you wouldn't really, to guy, it was, I mean, we would definitely let each other carry our packs and stuff, but it took a lot more than, uh, um, so let me think here. The, the question is, yeah. When do you become a good teammate? Yeah, see, eventually I learned how to ask a yeah, good question. It did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It definitely took um, a year or two to realize when you want to step up, what kind of, you know, that person that's lagging behind when it's too much of a lag or if that's just where they would like to race. You know, there's times I'm, I actually typically like to be in the back of the pack if we're trekking or running or biking. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes I kind of like to be away from the team at times. So you're right. You have to, when you adventure Pocono, we knew each other so well, um, that you could tell instantly when somebody wasn't feeling good. And just, just because they were being quiet in the back didn't mean you had to help them or anything. It just meant that they were dealing with whatever problem yeah. they had. But um, it definitely takes a couple years. And typically the first time you race with somebody, you don't, you're not helping them exactly when they need yeah. help as well. Um, it does take time. So racing with the same teammates, I think is, uh, is very important. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose if you, yeah, it is a tough question. Yeah. You know, hey, I'm I'm like a professional spelled with a ph at this. So, <laughs> but it does. I mean, if you have a new teammate, you probably constantly like are you okay and then they're like, "Yeah, I'm fine. I'm just this is where I like to be." And then eventually you just know, yeah, that's where they mm -hmm. like to be. So. Mhm. Mm yeah. yeah. Or it's like, "Oh, you're really you're really fast all the time. I'm going to, can you help yeah. me out? You know? yeah, or, take my pack. Oh, okay. They're, they're a little, yeah. Or they, they might be a little slower than, than you expected. So then you kind of transition your race into, okay, we're going to, um, we're going to take all your gear for probably the duration of the race. So you just kind of make it work and realize what you need. And if they're in pain, you give them yeah. some Motrin or Tylenol and uh, they need food. Or if you see that they're not drinking, that's a big thing is that I always yell out drinking, mm -hmm. I always yell out, or if the navigator, I, I give him food all the time. I'll give him food whenever um, we're stopped because he's not thinking about it. Yeah, him. yeah. <laughs> and I know he's got a full pack on him. When 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 I'm out of food, I know we'll just rob his uh, pack. And <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I just keep feeding him. So yeah, you're right. It takes um, it it's gotta take five years to realize what you need to do for the rest of the team to get through each race because um that's. That's pretty much my position on the team. I'm not a navigator. I'm not the strongest person, but um, I'm kind of the mule. I kind of keep my eye out on everybody and uh, make sure we're not getting sick and seeing what I can do to help and 
I'm the passport puncher. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I do. Um, I kind of, I would say that, that might be one of my, my bet, my positives is that I do keep an eye on the team and do whatever I need to do to get that team, keep us moving. Yeah, which is, you know, that, that's pretty important. <laughs> you know, you, you need that person. Yeah, yeah you, you need somebody to watch out for everybody. So, what? Uh, yeah, what would you go back and tell? Brian, that's been racing five years now. So you've been racing five years, so you're sort of smart. You sort of know what's going on. But what do you know now that you didn't know after five years? <laughs> <laughs> what I did, I probably would have said, listen, I would probably think about a different sport <laughs> because you're going to be you're, you're going to be spending a lot of money claiming these are vacations. <laughs> that's what I would always tell my family. But we would, but we would go, hey, um, there's a race. We're going to do... Scotland. See, that was the other thing is I would always take Madison and Kelly yeah. to these expedition races. The Primal Quest uh, Utah, we did a three-week. Um, I would take them. When Madison was young, she used to like hanging out with me. Now she's 21. Yeah, and, um, yeah, you yeah. know you know how that is. But uh, when she was, like, 6 to to 13, that's when it was um, a family vacation. I used to claim it was a family <laughs> vacation. But there again, a lot of the expedition races were, were supported. So Kelly, we would come into these um, transition areas. We would have our, she would have our camp chairs there yeah. with some um, hot tea, hot water, hot soup, whatever it is. Um, she would be taking our shoes and socks off while we're sitting there looking at maps or repacking bags. She was, yeah, the, we came up with one time. It was, um, we wanted to start up support crew international. We wanted to, we wanted to start up how to be the best support crew because we had the best. So we wanted to do training on it and stuff like that. We would joke around, joke around. <laughs> SCI support crew yes, international. Yes. But what would I say? Yeah, I would say, listen, you're gonna be, you're gonna have a lot more money if you get out of this stupid sport now, Brian. Come on, get out. Fake an injury or something. Yeah. Well, but think of all the experiences you had. But I wouldn't take it yeah. back. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so when you're doing something like Primal Quest Utah, did Kelly know how hard that was? Did she, did she know how hard it is out there? I'm gonna have to say, she she did. Mm-hmm. She did. Every time that she could see us coming through, suffering mm-hmm. down the Green River or something, wherever there was a viewpoint, she would see us coming around the corner in 100 degree 100 degrees and just suffering yep <laughs> she saw well, pete and i were carrying all not all the gear but we had um we had our paddle between our shoulders walking mm-hmm. up i don't know how many miles up this road it was but we had all the pfds and bags hanging between us and i don't know we we looked so there's a picture yet that i look at that thing and uh, laugh so she does okay. she knows how hard these races are because she sees us come in and must just and she smells us yeah. too you know yeah. you know the stink <laughs> of these racers coming yeah. in how <laughs> you just don't get that stink when it's yeah that's true <laughs> that is true and you don't get um that well and she may even have got this that dirt that doesn't come off your hands for like a month uh huh. Between your yeah, toes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, did you do PQ Badlands? I did okay. not. No. Nope. I was trying to think if, because you know, 
that's where I met Pete and Avril and well, that's, that's where I met everybody the first time. Cause that's the first race I covered, but so, and I was trying, okay. I was trying to remember who the fourth person was with their team. Cause it was Mark and Pete and Avril and somebody. So, Hmm. Maybe Andy Bacon. Not sure. No, I got my list somewhere. I'll have to go, I'll have to go back and see. Yeah. Yeah. Cause Pete has, no, but Pete is, uh, he's a guy. Pete's awesome. He he is funny, man. His New York accent he can he can pull anybody out of a out of a yeah. rut when you're not feeling well, man. He just starts going and yeah. he'll he'll make you laugh yourself. Yeah. Every time every time I run into Pete, he's like, "I like you so much. You remind me of my brother." And I, I hope that's good. I've never <laughs> met his brother, but <laughs> so. Um, actually, I did. Yeah, Rob. Rob. He actually summoned uh, Mount McKinley with us as oh, well. Yeah. So. Oh, well, he's way tougher than I am. I don't think I want to do that. Um, you could do it. Yeah, I could. I'd just be slow. Like I, you know, I'm really good at carrying heavy stuff for a long time, as long as I don't have to go fast, and I'm happy with that. You know, I, 30 years of racing, I'm like, yeah, I'm done. I'll do this part. But um, so I want to. I want to do another go way back thing because I like talking to old G, OG guys. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. I, I, I'm going to try to answer the question. Yeah. Is there a race that you would like to go back and redo? <laughs> oh, absolutely. I um, I want to go back to New Zealand. Yeah. yeah, for sure, man. There's some unsettled business there. Yeah. We were only racing for like a day and a half till they kicked us off. Yeah. Of course. Um. And it ended up that uh, me and it was Brian Goble. Brian Goble and I ended up doing as much more of the race course as we possibly could. And they had a problem with that. Yeah. We were, we were like, okay, well, we're going to do this trek section. They're like, okay, well, give us some. Um, at that point, I, I think we had a spot or, or something. Okay, well, you're not, there, you're not part of the race, so give us everything. Um, and you have nothing to do with the race. We're like, what? Anyway, yeah. Um, yeah. we ended up doing that. We ended up doing the kayak section. Um, we stayed on the course, uh, for the whole time, but there was only out of, actually when Brent, when Brent did his hundredth race, I was like, huh, I wonder how many races I did. So then I, I kind of had this makeshift, um, list yeah. and it was like maybe 80 races. So out of my 80 races, there were only two that I didn't finish. Um, it was that mm-hmm. one. And it was a goals race uh, a couple of years ago that actually Brent um, designed. And um, the one guy I was with, just in the middle of the race, we were 12 hours in. It was a 24, and he just decided he's done. Uh, yeah. I was like, come on, man. Come on. we got another couple hours. He's like, nope, I'm done. Wow. I was like, whatever. Yeah. Um, it, it's kind of a big thing. Actually, I was just I was just talking with Tim Buchholz. I got it right. You know, about the 100. He posted that like a week or so ago. And I'm amazed how many people that are out there with a hundred or close to a hundred or more races. It, it, yeah. I mean, yeah. when you look back, does that surprise you that you've got 80 some races? Uh, well, it surprises me that he has a hundred because <laughs> he's been racing a lot less, less time than me. So he's really been, uh, yeah, he's been collecting them pretty good. Mm-hmm. You know, here the last couple of years I was doing, I like to do about three or four yeah. year. Um, it doesn't put me out. It doesn't take too much of my time. It doesn't cut into my job or my yeah. 
all my vacation time. So yeah, three or four races a year is what I kind of like. And uh, yeah, it yeah. takes takes a long time to collect. Yeah. Well, him and Anna were saying, yeah, that there were years they were doing sixteen, eighteen races a year, which I'm like, yeah, that's yeah. the way it should yeah. be. Race, race to live. <laughs> um, it would be nice. It would be. Oh, then you don't have to train. You're just yeah. you're just racing and keeping fit, and then the next weekend or two weekends, you're just racing again. Yeah, yeah. you're always you're always ready to yeah. go. So, um, shoot, what the heck was I going to ask you? I don't remember. So, um, here's my here's where everybody likes it because I'm not going to talk. So, tell me about nationals that you won, Mister right. National oh. Champion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was uh, quite quite the race. It was, um, yeah. I, I'll start out. So it was pretty cool in the beginning. Um, I'll get everybody does the whole gear check and all that. We're sitting at the starting line, and Bill Bill Gibbons is trying to get his PA to work so we can sing the the national mm-hmm. anthem. And then it ended up that we were we were waiting there for like a minute, and the next thing you know, I. I think it was Abby and Mark Latanzi started started. Singing. That's what I heard. Yeah. Um, anyway, we, yeah, yeah. So we all uh, acapella. Everybody started singing, and it was it it brought tears to probably many people. Hmm. And um, we sounded awful, <laughs> you know, by any means. But everybody, but we were all there, and I think I think uh, it's going to be a new tradition that. Um, that that we went that we just started singing this so that was pretty darn cool and next thing you know the cannon blows and it's on so so pretty much um it's in my backyard it's up in the the lee it's in the um lehigh gap no i'm sorry it's down the lehigh river up there um near hickory run and beltsville and so it so all year i'm thinking about this race that i want this this race i've been all over that area i've actually wanted to i i used to i design races as well i designed a bunch for goals and i i'm starting to design for rootstock racing but anyway i wanted to for years put on a race up there so i feel pretty confident that i i know the area but um all year i prepared for this just trying to be in the best shape that i could be in and three weeks ago the longest day had they had Naira, I'm sorry, Naira had the longest day, and I was like, you know, I'm going to do that race because I, I need mm-hmm. it. I need it. It's three weeks out. I need, uh, need to see what kind of fitness fitness check. So we went up there, and it was perfect because it was like 10,000 feet of gain, and it was 20. We ended up, we didn't even clear it, um, but it was 23 hours and some couple minutes, and I was like, wow, this is, this is what I needed. I felt, I felt good that whole time, so I was like, okay. I'll do a couple more big rides and get ready, get my legs into it. Cause I knew that nationals was going to be some, some elevation. So the cannon, the cannon goes off. We run down to the canoes and um, there's no prologue or nothing. It's just, it's just probably, yeah, it must be, it must've been 62 bolt boats heading to the pretty much the same checkpoint. A couple of the other teams didn't pick the same route, but we were, we were on Beltsville Lake. We all went out there, so you're trapped, and you're hitting other boats and stuff, missing some paddles. And get out to the first checkpoint, and we look around, and our other rootstock team is right there. So rootstock racing had um, it was Jim Driscoll and Abby and mm-hmm. I, and then the other rootstock was Brent, Brent Friedlin, and um, Nikki Driscoll, 
and um, Joel Ford. And how the teams, um, how we teamed up, I'm not exactly sure, but we just had uh, Rootstock 1 and Rootstock 2. So we started, um, we started racing with those guys along with 20, 30, 40 other boats. You know, we're kind of in the front. We're maybe top, top 15. And then we started clicking, clicking off some checkpoints. And then we got to, in the middle of the um, canoe, it was pretty cool because they had a foot section. It was um, a couple miles long. I'm not sure, but they gave you, they gave each team two passports. You could um, split, you know, split your team up if you wanted. But the the benefit that we had was um, we had all six of us. So then Brent and I and Abby and um, Nikki went one way with our two passports. And then Jim Driscoll and Joel, they took the longer course. They ran it and um, they, they punched all there. So we got back to the boat with, uh, about maybe five minutes before um, Jim and Joel. So they come running down, and then they end up saying, oh, AMK is portaging their boat. They, they ended up finding AMK on the top of a mountain <laughs> with their boat. And I think Mark Latanzi's team was portaging too. So they got down there, we looked at a map, and we're like, oh, damn. That is, that's, a, that's, a good, uh, that's a good little race move they had. So it ended up, we had to paddle all the way around, and uh, they probably – Probably 20, 25 minutes, I bet you they gained on that move. So that was, they were the first ones off the water. I think it was, it ended up being an 18, maybe 15 to 20 mile paddle, something like that. And then Latanzi was first, and AMK were second, and then us and a bunch of other teams were, you know, bringing it up. So then we ran up to the bikes, and now we were preparing for about a 100K bike ride. And we split it up into five climbs and our only thing that we wanted we knew we weren't going to be the fastest bikers but the what we wanted to do was just maintain keep the lead teams within within a distance that when we get to the the foot section which we figured it would be about 10 or 12 hour foot section that's where we kind of were we're hoping that that's our spot and with jim jim driscoll he's a he's a really great navigator so um and we're pretty good on our feet. So that's kind of like we're, we're just holding out for. So we bike. Team Journey comes. They come flying past us. And then Jim, I could see Jim. He wanted to go. I'm like, Jim, let's just uh, let's just keep our own pace. We got a lot of riding to do. So we let them go. And um, we do our first hill climb. We get up to the 100-mile. It was a 100-mile view. Actually, I'm sorry. We, we did um, a river crossing that was pretty cool. They put a line across, but it, the the river crossing with your bike across the Lehigh, mm. it actually was a it was uh it was up to your neck for mm. sure. I think Abby, she's a little yeah. shorter, she's shorter than us, you know. She had her bike. <laughs> we didn't want to get our hubs and stuff wet, but we had she had her bike over her head doing the best she could. So I quick went across and I came back and and grabbed her bike. But yeah, she 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 may have got her hair wet. <laughs> she may have taken a shower there, and then uh. You got to run through Jim, the town of Jim Thorpe, with your bike, and then get going up up the up a big climb to um. It was a hundred mile view up on Flagstaff Mountain, and that was pretty cool. And then you we traveled across the ridge. So at this point, we're probably in fourth or fifth, not knowing we nobody else passed us. So we're like, we don't know how fast everybody else is doing on their bikes, but we just know they can they can ride. So. So then we come up, we ha- and then there's um, a descent that is just pretty much just hanging on, hanging on to your brakes, 
putting your chest on your feet, just let let everything go. I think Abby went over her handlebars once, and I was like, oh, oh that's not good. And she goes, I'm okay. I'm okay. So she's good. And then we get down to the bottom, and then we there's a switchback trail. And I was all I was on I was on all these trails so far, so I'm feeling good. But I'm not navigating. Jim is, so I'll just give him some information every once in a while if I feel feel it can help. But so far, we're just we're just finding a room with the bike and. We do another do another hill climb, and then we get to the summit. We're like, oh, this must be the we named it the ninety eight mile view, <laughs> and then another another straight down descent, uh, and then uh, up the, and then we get up to uh, I think the third climb, and uh, we named it the ninety six mile view, and it was actually pretty pretty cool. The weather was um it was it was a little on the hot side, but it was just picture perfect blue skies. Uh, um, it was just fabulous day. Then we, uh, I think we're on our fourth climb, and I think it's not quite dark yet, but we're just, uh, we're just mining a room. We haven't seen a team now in, in ages, and, uh, maybe it's like maybe six o'clock, and we're, go up to a cabin for the third climb, and then that's what it was. So the cabin, we ended up doing a bushwhack, a bike whack that was, uh, maybe a mile or two. Um, you could have probably got messed up in there because it was pretty sick. We used this boulder field kept rock and roll but now now it's the sunset and it was an out and back we're on this plateau it's an out and back and we're riding and riding and we're like man we haven't seen any, we haven't seen any of the other teams because we were just using that as a position check we get we get to the next um almost to the next checkpoint and it's a bike drop and then it's a, just a short run you have to go find it on this one spur i forget the name but as we're we drop our bikes we turn the lights off we see headlamps in the woods, and that's Team AMK. It's Mark and it's Team Journey coming out. So at that point, we went, they passed us, and they saw us, and uh, we, you know, we said, hey, and yeah. everything like that. And uh, that's when we found the checkpoint, and we realized we're only five minutes back. We're like, yo, that's really good. So, so we come out of that checkpoint, and next thing you know, there's <laughs> there must have been five, five teams, you know, um, coming at us. So little did we know that we're fighting for, you know, the top positions, but it's like a 10, it's a 10 team, uh, race with, you know, within 30 minutes. Uh, so then next thing you know, team rootstock comes by us and they're only shit, 10 minutes, um, 10 minutes after they're probably like 15 minutes after us. The next thing we know, we're like, Holy cow, man, they're doing awesome. We're doing great. And about another 10 teams are doing great. So it's a real race. Yeah. It's a real race at this time. And, we did, we did a decent um, down to Rockport, and then another river crossing. It was only like um, knee, maybe maybe waist deep. I'm not sure. So now we we do the last hill up to Hickory Run. We get in there, and uh, same teams, Mark, Latanzian, and Andy Bacon, and AMK and Journey are still there. And we get in there, and we transition onto our feet, and this is it, you know. it's uh, you had two You had two options. You could either... Do an orienteer course, which was 20 checkpoints, or you could do a long foot section, which was 10 checkpoints, I believe. I believe. Um, the whole thing together was about, I think, 30 miles. 30 miles. Um, I think the, the, the big foot section was, I think, 20 miles, and the O course was 10. So you had the choice. Which one do you do first? We decided to do the big foot because it looked like it was more trails mm -hmm. 
and it looked like, you know, there was more space between the checkpoints, so at nighttime, you had less, you know, um, kind of needle in the haystack kind of yeah. thing. So we ended up cho- choosing that guy. So we estimated six hours. Next thing you know, we're doing, we're not doing all that bad, but we're like getting up on like five, six hours, and we're kind of getting low on, on food and, and stuff. And then we get to this one, one point. It was the, you may have even heard it. Everybody else, it, it's, Whoever did Nationals knows this one. Unless they unless they found it right away. But it's the Rocky Point. I think it was checkpoint 38. And this this thing was on, it was in this little creek, Black Creek maybe. But the way we plotted it looked like it was on one side of the creek. So we scoured the side of this creek for 50 minutes. And we knew we were the first team there because I think most, I know AMK did the O course. I guess Mark Latanzi may have did this course backwards than us. Um, and I think Journey um, did this foot section as well, but we didn't see anybody. So we looked for this checkpoint for an out for 50 minutes, and we were ready to pull the phone out and call. And I was like, man, there's, there's no way. Every other CP, every other orienteering flag has been locked. I was like, we can't call. We can't call. So we brought it up like three times while we're still looking on the side, um, probably within this half-mile section. And then... We see three headlamps coming, and it ends up being Shane Hagerman and his team. And we're like, yo, Shane, we are, we got to team up, man. You're our lucky, you got to be our lucky charm because we are down and out. You know, it's 3 a.m. at this time. We started the trek at 10, 10 p.m. It's 3 a.m. We're kind of, you know, you're feeling that at 2 a.m., yeah. 3 a.m., you know, that's kind of sluggish. You're getting tired. Yeah. Uh, and also, when you can't find a checkpoint, that just drains you. So Shane comes there, and he's got his military background. So he's like, all right, we'll find this thing. So he looks for maybe 10 or 15 minutes, and he's like, were you guys in the creek? Were you guys on the other side? We're like, no. He's like, get in there. Get on the other side. So that we just kind of pretty much scoured the whole um, creek there, and then we finally found it on the opposite side of the creek than we thought it was. We actually pulled the, the plot points out during this, you know, before Shane got there, and we double-checked our plot. And we still thought that it was on the on the side that we were looking at. But anyway, yeah. we should have checked the other side about 40 minutes before we <laughs> actually did. So at that point, we were like, oh, our race is done. Forget about it. So anyway, we regroup and we uh, we keep running. Keep running all the flats. We're running all the downs, um, all the uphills. Nope, we're, we're walking. But our, we got a good pace going on. We're, we're still rocking and rolling until we get back. And then um, Stephanie's like, you guys um, you guys are the first ones off that course, but I'm so glad that you did because you guys are a couple hours longer than they expected. So it took us eight hours to do that 20-mile Bigfoot yeah. course. So now we're like, okay, well, who finished the O course? And I think AMK came off of that. But then we also have Untamed New England getting in the mix. They were the fastest off of the O course, and it took them five hours. So we're like, okay, bring five hours of food, let's go. So we started we started going and Randy the next four hours, Jim Driscoll was on. We were all on. We um Abby was the bushwhacking queen. I was spotting these things from a hundred yards away. Jim would get us close and he's like, All right, start looking. Our headlamps would actually no, we started at I think six AM in the morning, so we had the light. So um, we would see these things from, uh, it felt like a mile away. Everything was clicking, and we're like, yo, we are doing good. So next thing you know, 
We're uh, we're on our last one, and um, <laughs> we're ready to go back to the tea. Go back to the tent. So we're going back to the TA, and all that's left is a one-hour um, mountain bike ride back to Split Rock. We're like, okay, well, I'm punching the passport. Abby, you find out who left on their bikes. So we get back to the tent, and everybody starts screaming and yelling. And we're like, who left on their bikes? They're like, nobody. You guys are in first. Uh. That was, uh, and then it's like, oh, oh, it's it's game one. So uh, we transition onto our bikes. I don't know. It felt like three minutes. Um, we quick shoveled some food in us and uh, filled up one water bottle because at this point we were out of food, out of water, at least on that trek. We left a little bit back on the bikes. But uh, we didn't eat a thing on that last hour <laughs> ride. So anyway, we take off on the, on the ride and we're like, we were celebrating at first, and then we all kind of like sat back and we're like, "Yo, this race isn't over." We uh, we get a mechanical, a flat tire, that's gonna mix everything. So you know, the chase is on. We have no idea. All that we know is we left that TA, and there wasn't another team that came in. So we knew we had three or four minutes at least, and uh, we got to split the top of Split Rock, and it was just downhill from there. At that point, we knew we knew that we had it. Uh, we started celebrating on that downhill and came across the finish line and uh and the the rest is history and and the first time first time that uh that any of us uh won nationals and boy boy was it special i bet it's it's uh there's almost no way to describe it is there the feeling no no i was um when i was on the final bike i was more like emotional than when i crossed the finish line i don't think i uh teared up or, or felt it in my chest but when i was on that final bike that's when uh i was really like wow i'm this is it i'm gonna i'm actually gonna pull this we're gonna actually pull this yeah. off and uh yeah so now now we got it and it uh it will probably never ever happen for this guy you know for the uh the other young bucks on the team i certainly hope so but um i'm i'm very content now. yeah boy yeah i'm just glad i got i'm glad i got it yeah i'm uh I'm pleased. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I don't have a lot of questions about it because you did a really good job. But how did you, or what happened between the Bigfoot and the Oak Horse, where you were struggling with that last checkpoint, and then all of a sudden, boom? Could you know? Well, thir- Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, thirty-eight. Yeah, you're right. 38 was the one that there was another um, Boulder field that we wasted um, that we wasted probably 20 minutes on. But you, you know the race is almost. How about this? I'll take us take us back to last year where we got take us yeah last year where we got fourth. It was like okay, AMK beat us by like three hours. It was like what could we have done? Could we have done that? And it's like no, I can only find an hour and a half of wasted time. Mm-hmm. You know, so then it was like, okay, there wasn't any possible way we could have won that last year because we we couldn't have. So this year, I look back and it was like, we probably could have done an hour and a half better if we found that one checkpoint right away and that bowler field checkpoint. Mm-hmm. But other than that, Randy, it was uh, it was flawless. Oh. We didn't have any. Ah, uh, we kind of had a Abby one time. She went over handlebars, I think, for the second yeah. time. <laughs> And um, she bent, she banged up her rear skewer. I think her her rear skewer came, I think, almost off, or at least it was loose for a little while. And then her tire didn't even turn. 
and then she didn't have any gears for a while but for the most part it was uh it was pretty flawless yeah an hour and a half is and i'm sure if you talk to other teams you know everybody can find yeah. that hour and a half two hours you know somewhere but we had pretty much other than those two checkpoints um it was awesome it was just keeping it going so when we lost that hour you're right i was kind of like down and out thinking and eh, your race is done but you don't know and that's what's really cool about finishing on an o course or having a o course late in the race it's anybody's game you never give yeah. up we just keep rocking and rolling i mean we were a little bit down but we, it didn't we just kept running everything we possibly could and we're like we'll see what happens so well that's why we run the races right one day at a time well, one pitch at a time yeah. Let's throw yep. throw a few more One. cliches in there. So, every <laughs> yeah. given any given day. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, well, we just we just show up to do it. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> are you done for the year? Quitting on high point? Or are you going to ra- any more races this year? I was I was planning on doing um, rootstock racing. Um, they do a two rivers in December, but it doesn't look like I'm going to be able to swing that. So as of right now, that was it. That was yeah. it. And then um, early spring, um, I'll start prepping for the uh, Untamed. But um, for sure, I think with this on uh, Nationals, when you kind of get a, you get that special bonus of a free entry into other people's races. Yeah. So um, I'm going to try to kind of make use of that and try to do as much as I can next year and race all over. I, I really enjoy racing in different locations. That's the other thing. I'm I'm more in it for the adventure yeah. than than the competition or the race. So it's like I love finding a race. I actually have a map on in the U.S. and I have a I, I have a kind of arrows on all the locations, all the different locations that I raced in, and I love seeing me put another point on there uh, with an area that I've never been to, and because of a race. Yeah. Um, so I really enjoy that. So I'm looking forward to next year. Uh, going to these possibly maybe central u.s races or you know the midwest or something and i'm doing a couple of them doing a little and piggybacking it with a with a cool vacation there you go well the only thing i'm going to say in finishing here is when you come do the high point in south dakota black elk peak let me know because it's like 20 miles from the house oh pretty cool I already grabbed that one. Uh, I already got that one, though. But uh, I can always do it again, go. Randy. I'll give you a break. Or you, or you can come out here. They're going to do a bike packing race of the nine nine peaks over seven thousand feet in the hills. So, oh yeah, wow, so that'd be kind of cool. Wow. So. All right, that is pretty cool. It but, is. So, okay, I'm going to go because I got to run into town and get my dog because Paulette's car is in the shop. And she can't take the dog home in the loaner car. My life is so tough. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I love my dog. I have a dog, um, golden retriever named Molson, and um, he just will chase balls all day. Yeah. He's awesome. But I would like to um, give a quick shout out to um, Rootstock yep. Racing uh, for for hooking me up and um, being such a great team. It's a pleasure to race with those guys. Yeah, they're um, they're pretty good people. I like them. Yeah, so, yeah, they're all right. I wear my, uh, I wear, actually, the rootstock hats are. I don't like wearing hats, but I need to. I love wearing their hats. So, 
Yeah, that's funny because um, we will be racing. I hear people yell that, or at least the last Naira race, uh, John John Cray's like, I want one of them rootstock hats. Yeah, yeah, they are. Um, yeah, with Brent and Abby, you're gonna have to keep them in their in the trunk of their car for yeah, sure. I think they should. So, all right. Well, thanks for the chat. It was fun. Randy, it was awesome. Awesome talking with you. Thank yeah. you so much. Oh, and thanks. Nobody. I don't think anybody else has did this, but. Brian sent me a message and said, hey, I want nationals. Can I be on the podcast? And I'm like, yes, yes, you can. So all you have to do is ask. Oh, I was hoping you didn't say that. <laughs> no, I love it. I, um, it's, it's the hardest part for me of the podcast is not, not knowing who to talk to, but getting in touch with people and getting things set up. And so I love it when somebody says, raises their hand and says, I'll do it. So thanks. I made it easy for you. You did. I, I appreciate it. So. You're welcome. All right. Um, we'll see you at Untamed if we don't see you somewhere else before. That'd be awesome. All right. All right. Bye. Some living, some standing alone